0: Now to growing concerns about... Total cases in the US now top 8.4 million. You must stay at home. The new variant of coronavirus is out of control. You can't be serious, man. I hate you, 2020! Well, that was a pile of crap, I know. However, we did see some amazing tech companies emerge from the crisis. And this podcast is me going around the world talking to founders of these companies. And some of these founder stories are absolutely amazing and can't wait to share them with you. So from San Francisco to Sydney, my name's Ben Kenwright, introducing the 2020 Entrepreneurs Club podcast. Okay, so welcome back to the 2020 Entrepreneurs Club. Today, or this, what you're listening to right now is something a bit different. So it I had an epiphany the other day. And that epiphany was I am having all these amazing conversations with our podcast guests running simultaneously to me going through an entrepreneurial journey of my own. And I'm learning a lot in a short space of time. And I hope that some of the things I've learned would be useful to you guys out there. And so I'm going to try and get informative with a few things um, that we've had successes and failures with uh, hoping that it can help someone out in some way shape or form and I'm gonna to start today with sales because hopefully it's the one area where I know a thing or two I am a sales guy I have been for quite a while so I started out in recruitment um, prior to that I was in graphics but I always was a sales guy recruitment is a very sales industry then I went into technology sales and it's all been startups and within startups well it's quite useful having a startup, having previously sold in a startup. Uh, But, you know, I was in startups, became very successful. Uh, We were very process driven, very analytics led. And I've learned all angles of sales, but nothing really prepared me to sell in a company that's tiny. Me, a co-founder, a product, go sell. It's difficult. It's really hard, even though I previously was the first guy on the ground in the UK for tech companies twice. I still had the backing, I had the financial resources, I had proven concept in other territories. It's easier that way. It's still difficult though. I remember my last company, I was first guy on the ground in the UK. We were backed by Google. We already had a third of the top staffing agencies in the US. We were a recruitment tech company. And still, people in the UK would be like, all oh, right, a bit new, ain't you? Yes, we're three years old, but what more do you want? Like Google, look at it. We've got a third of the top staffing agencies. Yeah, but you know, not sure if it's uh, right for us at this stage. Maybe come back in a few years. Right, so imagine doing that now when we were three weeks old with not one client. You've got this massive chicken and the egg situation where in order to get the client, you need a client in the first place. And you can really go wrong here in several ways. And a lot of it is putting your best foot forward or not. And we've made some mistakes along the way, but I've got some good previous experience. And hopefully I'm going to share a few do's and don'ts and hiccups that we've had. And after 10 minutes or so, hopefully it all makes sense. So I'm going to start out with the options you have available when you're selling right now. This hopefully will resonate not just with um, startup salespeople, but any salespeople out there you have right especially in the pandemic we don't have some of the avenues that are very useful like networking do you want to go for a drink i'll meet you at this seminar attending trade events and so on so generally what you have available is your laptop and your phone on your laptop you have social media so depending on what your business is it might be relevant on the true social channels like instagram and facebook and stuff um for more professional services it's linkedin for us it's all about linkedin i I don't know what use instagram and facebook would be for us just yet so it's definitely linkedin we have email it's a very powerful tool when used correctly and we've got our phone right so you then look at the dynamic of the people within the business now your typical salesperson i suppose having me as a salesperson and my co-founder is useful we're able to Um, outsource product development and get selling it. As soon as there's an MVP there, we're out there, you know, hustling. But even if you're not, you need to learn quickly how to become a salesperson. If if you guys are technical co-founders, no one else is going to sell your product the way you could. Now, you might not have the sales experience, the, you know, how to be more challenging, the process element, um, you know, consultative selling, or just years of practice. But what you do have is the passion and the understanding of your product. And I genuinely think, you know, there's different opinions out there, but I think sales are becoming way more product-led. It's way less about the person. It's become more apparent since we've been in states of lockdown and you're not going to shake someone's hand. So your sale is done over a Zoom meeting and you're running a demo and it's all product-led. So if you are a technical person, I think in some ways you have the edge. Um, But yeah, whoever you are in the business, no one else is going to sell it better than yourself. And when you're starting out and you don't have any salespeople, no one else is going to sell it, period. So going back to the tools you have available. Now, the instinctive thing to do is to get out there on LinkedIn and send messages to everyone in the world. I've been doing this for a long time on LinkedIn and I've done some monumental cock-ups and I've had successes. The issue with LinkedIn is over the years it's become increasingly saturated in COVID, it kind of became 10x saturated overnight. Everyone that used to sell by going out to meet people, attending events or whatever it may be, cold calling even, all of a sudden was on LinkedIn. I changed my title to co-founder and the next day I started getting probably 15 to 20 messages and connection requests today and i'm pretty diligent i I try and respond unless it's completely templated and not relevant i do try and respond because i've been on the other side but yeah that's your typical target person they're getting a lot of linkedin messages so you've got to stand out really understand who it is you're going after and why and also understand what is probably going to make your message stand out Uh, so if you're going after c-level people know that they're getting a lot of inbound traffic anyway what's going to make your message stand out i actually listened to a podcast by rob moore i think and it was all around trying to get uh, an uh, like a, a influencer's attention how do you get through to an instagram influencer and the biggest takeaway was sort of the the vanity part the ego No matter how busy someone's LinkedIn is or their social profile, they will always take note of who is interacting with what they put out. So one bit of advice, if you have someone you really, really want to talk to, don't just jump into sending a LinkedIn message. Actually take a look and see what their theme is, what kind of post they put out, what kind of post they interact with and like and comment and then maybe go in a week or two later Chances are they probably would have seen your name, liking, commenting, and are more likely to respond. Don't send something long. If it's more than a paragraph, you're going to have, quite often, limited responses. Do you know what? Even cut out the greeting. Don't say, hi, Ben. It just People have this ability to tune it out now. Get to the point whilst being polite and immediately put at the top something personal that shows you've read their profile. You understand it hey hope all is well not hey just broke my own rule there hope all is well in sunny oregon i love your post on this do you want to chat we do this people kind of want to see it direct the next thing you want is for them to look at your profile find some interest and then message back make sure your profile looks good then make sure there's something about your business on that profile or something enticing that makes you interesting enough for them to want to speak to you and the biggest life hack i found that works for me over the last 12 months is get your top targets on linkedin and if they're c-level people or anyone really senior and it's going to have a busy linkedin hit them up on the weekends because that's where no one else is and i honestly have had more conversations with ceos from messaging them on sunday in fact <laughs> because this is startup life on sunday morning i'll get up and i'll message some ceos in the uk And then about four o'clock, I have an alarm goes and I'll start messaging C-level in the U.S. And by Monday, I have a couple of conversations booked. With all that, the way I'm describing it, that is all personal messaging. And coming from someone who's done lots of templated stuff, I've used email marketing for years and I've sent personalized stuff. With LinkedIn now, it has to be personal. You're not going to get anywhere with a copy and paste message. You might be able to copy and paste a little sentence or two that, you know, it is repetitive. But generally, it's got to be personal. Otherwise, you are lost in the LinkedIn noise. The second thing that we have is emails. One thing with LinkedIn that I've also realized, we often will reach out to uh, HR leaders, HR directors, VP of HR and so on. Now, that person has to look at their emails because they might miss something that's business critical part of their job is looking at the bloody emails whereas the linkedin is a social profile really so we know a lot of people go onto linkedin but there's clickbait everywhere they don't have to look through their messages so there is a high probability your message might be amazing you've waxed lyrical and it's the best one-liner that's ever existed but that person just isn't going to read it because they don't need to when they're prioritizing everything in their day and they have to get through their emails their LinkedIn is always going to come second so their emails are quite a powerful tool because you know if, if you send something to their the likelihood is it will be read there's lots of trackers out there to show if someone's read your email I'd, I'd recommend it and then you have email marketing right now this is kind of controversial Or maybe a bit taboo. It's a cold approach, right? This is why you hate us salespeople because we do these cold approach type things. You know, it can be seen as intrusive, I guess. Now, I will massively disagree. At the end of the day, you've got a commercial email address. Uh, Usually, it's easy to find this on a website or it's just available. And someone is trying to sell you a commercial product. So I think it's absolutely fine for them to reach out to you. Now, you can take the piss, if you put someone into an email flow that pesters them every three days until they get back to you, that's not a good look. It's not cool and you're going to burn that bridge. But researching your market, really segmenting some well-thought-out messages and setting small flows via an email marketing tool, then that's fine. People will respect the fact that you've done your homework yes it's not the most personalized but at least you've kept it in small batches so that's where you can find successes with email marketing but do know this the products you have on day one of your startup will be completely different it will be different in six months time it will be different in 12 months time because inevitably it continually refines and evolves and it changes email marketing in the true sense has a low response rate you're lucky to get one meeting out of a thousand emails sent so if you send a thousand emails you know say you've got ten thousand people in your niche and you send a thousand emails out today and one of them turns into a customer and then in six months your product changes and you're like shit you've already reached out to ten percent of that niche and told them something that's inaccurate and yes of course you can go back and say hey this has changed and it does work and, and and so on. But be very mindful of the fact that you're not putting your best foot forward. If you're getting a 50, 60% response rate, open a red rate, which you should, you're still talking hundreds and potentially thousands of people reading an email and they're not responding. It's not the best foot forward. Sometimes you could even burn a bridge. If you are going to do emails like that en masse, be really polite, be humble, almost apologetic, and don't have email chasers. The odd one here and there is fine, but don't have this, uh, you know, email marketing platforms will encourage you to send a chaser three days, five days, seven days. What we tend to do is understand who's actually interacted it, who's clicked on our content, who's looked at our LinkedIn and so on. And then we'll manually follow up. Hey, noticed you, uh, you know, visited uh, here, Would you like to chat and so on? But don't get me wrong. Whichever way you do this, the response rates are limited. So the best thing you can do is fully admit you're a startup and you have to be a pain in the ass because you're a startup and you've got no fucking customers, right? You just have to do it. People will respect it, especially in technology circles. A lot of the time they've been a startup themselves or they are a startup. So the third one in this... Equation of cold approaching and and the tools that you have on your desk you've got your laptop, your phone, and so on. Well, is your phone it's picking up the phone and calling people. Now, some of us are better at it than others. I'm quite good. Uh, I think I'm a better salesperson when I'm in the process. I'm very good at organizing the instruction, the process, and presenting. But cold calling is a skill, and I, I guess I've had to become quite good over the years because you know when you have no customers and you don't know where to start you start with the phone the issue we've had is everyone's suddenly at home and only now at this time of recording which is may 2021 uh there's still a lot of people at home people are starting to go back to the office but it's difficult even in the office you've got gatekeepers when you call the landline and so on anyway pain in the ass there are tools out there that have mobile numbers But know that now, because everyone's at home, a lot of people are on Zoom calls. Their diaries are very regimented. Every time you want to have a catch-up with someone, you're not walking over to the other side of the office. Hey, Jimmy, don't know why it's called Jimmy. Hey, Jimmy, have you got five minutes? Yeah, let's grab a coffee. That's not happening. A message goes out, should we have a catch-up? Sure thing. And it's a minimum 15-minute thing that's booked in the diary. If you're on a Zoom call now and some unknown number calls you, and you think it's maybe the dentist, and you pick it up, and you go, hello, and, then, and it's like, hey, it's Ben here from Bub. How you doing today? A lot of time it's like, fuck off, I'm in a meeting. So be careful of being intrusive. One little hack here: try and get people at times when they're unlikely to be in the meeting. If you call someone at two minutes past two, uh, they're probably going to be on two o'clock soon. Um, and to be honest use it sparingly if you're going to cold call someone try and make sure that there is some warmth there there is a common connection you really understand something to do with their business um you can name drop uh, or, or you know you feel you have something relevant and again just be a little bit humble don't march in there again hey it's me you're talking to me now because even if you disarm someone and catch them on the spot they won't like it necessarily. They'll get off the phone and they don't always feel good. It takes a lot of skill to be able to really be bullshit like that, disarm someone and just talk and then then get off the phone thinking, "Yeah, I love that guy. I'm gonna, I'm gonna buy their product, right?" So be humble. Hey, yes, yeah, sorry to to have caught you off guard. I wouldn't necessarily say it's now a good time because they're never gonna say it's a good time, are they? But once you get through, sorry to have caught you off guard. This is what I do: quickly tell them everything that you have to offer, uh, and then tee up a, a good time to speak. You want to get them onto an online conversation as quickly as possible. Now, out of things that I've just described, the thing that has worked best for us is the LinkedIn personal stuff so that's liking content interacting with lots of content sending out personal messages and there is account tracking is what we call it something that we learned in it's quite an American sales strategy but it's been by far my most successful way of selling before Covid in more established startups and in this startup now Account tracking is the most mundane and, quite frankly, boring thing you can ever do. But it's very necessary to a startup business, and it's one that yields results. What account tracking is for us, we get a load of target accounts. When I say account, I mean a a customer or a prospective customer. We get them all down onto a spreadsheet when your sales CRM. And we have five a day, or each person, each salesperson here has five a day, that we will map out, understand every person in the business that we want to speak to, and we'll get them down into the CRM or a spreadsheet. As as long as you keep it organised, and you start by reaching out on LinkedIn, uh, check if they've accepted. If they haven't, then maybe try someone else. Try and loop into that person. Um, if you can't get hold of them there, see if you can get their email address. Drop them an email. And you keep doing that and you keep doing that and you slowly walk through differences. Every single message you're sending is personalized. If there's a phone uh, opportunity, absolutely throw it, uh, throw it in. Uh, but yeah, everything that you're doing is personalized and it sounds slow because it is. But, and it's slightly anecdotal, however, we can you know track this quite clearly if we try. The response rates are far better than... Uh, any kind of email marketing flow so although it's more time consuming well the results are there you will get we tend to get 10 times better response rates so there's really slow thought account tracking the reason being is because people can really spot personal messages now versus um, you know something more templated but also when you're going through a company's LinkedIn and you're learning who the decision makers are on paper and you're seeing this person's there, that person's based here, okay, that guy's in California. Oh, they've got the HR director, she's in Berlin. You're understanding all of this. You don't realize how much information you're actually taking in about that company as you're doing it. You've really done your research just by understanding who it is you need to be selling to. And you'll find that that naturally comes out in the messages that you send. And then boom, as soon as one person responds, You jump on a call with them you've already got an understanding of who else is in the business that you can name drop and so on trust me it works i don't know why i'm telling you my secrets but this is what 2020 uh, entrepreneurship is about now there are sales tech platforms galore my advice would be for a tiny tech startup use your bloody phone and Laptop, Sales Navigator on LinkedIn is a good one. You don't necessarily need to go investing in uh, loads of kit. Once you understand your sales MO, um, you're you know, expanding the sales department, then there's some amazing products out there. Data and analytics is always really good. If you're a uh, selling into tech companies, a lot of time it's good to track um, investor information, who's had funding and what and where, cheapest one is Crunchbase. Once you start to, uh, well, once you start to have slightly deeper pockets, brilliant uh, platforms out there uh, that give you more detail and just, uh, I guess, um, have better insights and also contact details, cognizant, zoom info to name but a few. Um, And that is the type of stuff that you use for top of the funnel leads when you've got a busier sales machine that's chugging along. Uh, For contact details, there's other point solutions out there, such as Lusher. Uh, But again, all of these should never be looked at as something to absolutely take care of this. Because the reason why companies hire salespeople and salespeople get paid very well and do crazy hours and send emails in the middle of the night on holiday or wherever it is, is because it's tough. Right. If sales tech technology could take care of all of that there's no way um, enterprise SaaS salespeople would be getting a hundred thousand dollars a year it just wouldn't happen so just know that every time someone is trying to sell you a bit of sales kit it's there to slightly help you along it's not there to do anything for you nothing achieves magical results now Another thing that we're doing here at, at Bub is we hired a marketeer before a salesperson. Again, it's a slightly disputed phenomenon That, um, but I kind of believe that if you're hiring a salesperson and they're starting out with zero leads, you've hired that salesperson too early, unless you've got something that you need to sell discreetly, like just Focus on getting some inbound traction first. You can do it quite cheaply. Yes, we've hired a marketing person. We've got a marketing partner. But um, you can do it yourself. You can jump on LinkedIn at night, create posts. Uh, Canva is an excellent DIY um, content creating tool. And you can create some stuff in there. It's all formatted, ready for social media. And then the scheduling tools out there, just get posting and posting and posting. Track who's interacting with your content. They're the ones that you cold call first and so on. It's a big funnel process. But you can easily, as a founder, turn into a sales and marketing department on your own. But it's very, 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 very time consuming. But you know, the idea you have to prioritize your revenue generation activity when you, we have this now at bub we, we i'm touching wood right now but we've taken on amazing clients we're being rolled out we're now active in three countries every oh, it's like, the, the days are crazy with delivery you know we've got we've got a complex uh you know staffing tech solution it requires a lot of focus at the moment especially when you're a startup because not everything is wired up correctly you know there's always someone having to turn a cog somewhere Um, and it's very easy to lose sight of your priority what your priority should be in the morning and that's revenue generating activity now I'm not just saying that because I'm a hard-nosed sales guy I'm saying it because if you lose sight of your revenue generating activity your customers won't have delivery because the well, the revenue trail can really slow down and that impacts everything else in the business. So within reason, I'm not saying sign people and don't do the work because that's not good for business either. But within reason, revenue generating activity has to be a number one. And then you'll have the revenue to go and hire the salesperson, go and hire the marketing person and you will do better with investors. Investors, want, if you remember the episode with Jonathan Hoa, it's all about de-risking. They want to see revenue. They want to see product market fit. The only way you're going to see revenue and product market fit is by going to fit your product in the market, which generates the revenue. Sorry to state the obvious. The last one on here is um, it's something that I've always done working in bigger startups, and it's affiliates and partnerships. I always built a network of partners around me. And to be honest, when we started Bub, I thought, I'm not going to bother with this now. We're going to wait until we're really established and, you know, partnerships just become more of a thing. The reason being with partners and I'm talking about industry partners where you're selling to the same target audience, you're fishing from the same pond. Um, There's often crossover, but, you know, sometimes you can synergize with a partner uh, where your products just align perfectly. The issue is a lot of the time it can turn into a really friendly relationship where you go out for a beer or you go out for lunch and then, you know, I pay for it. Then next time she pays for it and then next time I pay for it and so on. And not a lot of leads fly around, right? I guess it's just human nature. We build relationships, but with partners especially, it's just, <laughs> this is what I've found. Sometimes it turns into a really pally relationship and not a lot of business gets done. Um, there are ways in which you can be better at that. You know, you can put in, you um, well, I would suggest putting in more frameworks and incentives on both sides. However, there's one very useful thing with partners that I kind of undervalued before, and, and I really see it now, now that we're lacking on the partners front, and it's market insight. So a lot of my best leads used to come from lawyers, accountants within the staffing industry where we were selling into, because those guys are the ears to the ground. They're the ones at the grassroot understanding what's going on in the market. Some of the best cold approaches I've had were warmer through knowledge, such as, hey, um, I was just talking to so-and-so, congratulations on the recent funding round. I'm sure you guys will be scaling up the team here. Would you like to look at what we do? That is a far more professional and likely to generate results type of cold approach um, than you know just going in on a whim and you know it's, it's not just partners that can give you that insight but it, you know as an example partners have a lot of insight also this is your biggest obstacle as a startup what the thing i'm about to say is and it's credibility when you have no customers no one wants to be your customer right who are your customers we don't have any okay come back when you've got some customers and again, it's the chicken and the egg scenario. I have said the words chicken and egg for the last five years in tech startups because everything is a fucking chicken and an egg. You, you, you know, from internal politics to uh, actually sales and marketing, everything is a chicken and the egg. You know, you can't get that customer until you've got another similar customer and, and, and so on. So affiliates can actually help you on the credibility front purely because you can name drop them. Ideally, you get their logos on your website. uh, But even as simple as, hey, I was just talking to Jimmy. Jimmy gets around, he works everywhere. I was just talking to Jimmy the other day uh, about this exact issue. And oh, right, you know, Jimmy. Because that is, again, disarming any reservations they might have about trust, right? It doesn't mean that your product is credible yet. but just having some affiliates shows that you have made an effort in the market or you're known in the market, it goes a long way. On the product front, just be honest. Say we're brand new, we don't have customers or we've got two customers, we are looking for people to come with us on this, right. Now humans are inherently curious. Humans also like to get things first. The biggest thing you can have as a startup on a sales front is selling first mover advantage because you won't have it for long after five years after you've dominated the markets you don't have this first mover advantage if you go in and all of their competitors already have your product that line just well it can't come up for obvious reasons whenever we've had pushback in a startup environment okay who else has it in this space you're the first sorry (laughs) you're the first conversation we're having all right okay never go down the route of exclusive Uh, of an exclusive conversation you are the first we are actively talking to everyone in this space but you can go first that first mover advantage is very valuable large companies especially are familiar with it if you're selling to smaller companies who aren't familiar with it then it's an opportunity to educate them and here's where some real sales tactics can come in like hero story just google sales hero story there's some really interesting um articles, I believe Salesforce for a good one, about using hero story and humanizing um, the sales process. And a lot of it comes in the education piece. And yeah, early mover advantage is by far your biggest uh, selling tactic uh, <laughs> if you haven't got any customers. And even when you have customers, I'm telling you, we're, we're quite fortunate now. We've got a few juicy logos. Um, just waiting for one more so that they're symmetrical and we can put them on our website. Uh, But even then, you know, if people are looking on your LinkedIn and you're established in 2020 or 2019 or any time in the last five years and you've got a headcount lower than 50, people can be really, really mean, right? (laughs) It's like, come on, man, we're the little guy. But no, that's just not how the cookie crumbles. Um, You have more luck with entrepreneurs. If you're talking to the person that started the business, if you're talking to the founder and she's like, yeah. I started this business from my uh, back bedroom, they're more likely to be slightly sympathetic but at the same time, no, because it's business, no one's just going to do you a favor without having anything in it for them. And that's it. It sounds, <laughs> it sounds like a lot because it is, it's is all consuming. Um, you, The biggest frustrating thing is you will constantly question yourself. Did you do this right? Could I have done that better? Are we Should we be selling to them? Actually, is this vertical even going <laughs> to be the one that makes us money? And you will constantly question yourself unless you, you've come up with a product that's so similar to something else and you're just, you're just following in their footsteps. And it's perseverance and it's trial and error. And what I've given you there is some of the trials, uh, sorry, some of the successes I've had from the past 12 months of trial uh, trial and error in bub uh, but also the last seven or eight years of my life and i'm quite out of breath now so i'm gonna call it a day i hope that was useful do tune in for the next episode on the 2020 entrepreneurs club and i'll be coming out with another diary exhibit soon and go sell sell sell